Hi, my name is Randy May, and welcome to Decoding the Man podcast. Here at Decoding the Man, we have real conversations with real men and people in their lives. Whether we're talking about relationships, family life, masculinity, vulnerability, or mental health, we're having deeper conversations in a safe space. So buckle up, get comfortable, get a coffee, and listen in whether you're driving or sitting on the couch today. Get inspired, reflect, and have real conversations in your own life. At Decoding the Man, we're all about having a little bit of fun and getting a little bit deeper. The views expressed by the individuals in this podcast are solely the opinions and experiences of the guests of Decoding the Man. Hi, my name is Randy May, and this is the Decoding the Man podcast, and today we are at Movember. We'll be interviewing Todd Minerson, and he is the country director from Movember. So I'd like to welcome and have a warm welcome uh, for Todd today. He's going to tell us a little bit about why we should mow and a bit about why Movember is important to him. So Todd, I'd like to welcome you to this podcast. Thank you so much. It's really great to be here, Randy May. So nice to have you. Thanks. Um, We're so grateful also to be in the Movember space. Oh, it's so nice to have people in it for a change. You know, we've been out of the office since the beginning of March, just kind of very slowly, very cautiously getting open again, but... It's a space that needs people and, and life and, and fun and doing good in it. So we're glad to be here. Yeah, it looks like a space where fun. I could feel that fun happens here. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could, we could put that on the front. Fun happens here. Yeah. Having fun, doing good. That's kind of our motto. Yeah, it's a beautiful space. So thank you so much for having us here today. Um, I really want to talk about the journey of Movember. Uh, so if you can give us a little bit of insight to, well, let's really start with why are you, are you a part of Movember? Why am I a part of Member, Movember? Um, well, you know, I'm kind of a chronic do-gooder who wants to get organized and make stuff happen and okay. uh, have a major impact in the world. And for the last like 20 years, I've been working on social justice issues, whether it's been uh, gender-based violence prevention or HIV and AIDS or um, housing and homelessness. And particularly, I've been focused on gender and kind of not just gender equality, which is the ultimate goal for me, right. but also on what are the roles that men can play in that. Right. And thinking about men and masculinity, the harm it causes to others, has also been really eye-opening about the harm it causes ourselves. Right. That's <laughs> and huge. And so it's huge. And then working now for, you know, the world's leading men's health charity, a big part of how we can be healthier as men um, starts with ourselves. And so... Uh, in a weird way, I kind of feel like I've come home after 20 years of work uh, to November, working on men's health issues. Um, also, you know, prostate cancer, one in nine men in Canada, one of the most prevalent cancers that we're facing. Uh, mental health and suicide prevention, just, you know, an overwhelming amount of men have some kind of experience in those areas in their lives. And it's something that I really feel honored to work on with my team. Right. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you're so right. Um, I kind of want to ask you, I feel called to ask you a little bit more about how do you feel um, masculinity can impact men? And when you said coming home after 20 years, I think that's so beautiful because it sounds like you've gone out into the world and had all these experiences and you're coming home not only to this idea of men's mental health and just men's health in general, but how does this connect back to yourself and the idea of your own sense of Um, masculinity and your own sense of being a man? Yeah, I did a lot of work, uh, Randy May, on gender equality and ending violence against women. And what we realized is we really had to get into 
why, why, why do some men choose to use violence, right? And so we really right. dug into issues around how masculinity is constructed, how it's put together, how we view ourselves, how we view ourselves in the world, how we treat others. And um, when you start to unravel that, you also see, as I kind of hinted at, this stuff is causing a lot of harm to us ourselves as men. Yeah. So, you know, looking at men's health now and thinking not only are there kind of biomedical and clinical interventions and, you know, better drugs and better treatments and things like that. Right. But changing the way that men care for themselves is fundamental to all of it because you can have the best prostate cancer treatments in the world, but if men aren't willing to ask for help or go to the doctor, right. they don't mean anything. Absolutely. <laughs> right? You can do all kinds of stuff around um, mental health prevention and awareness and tools and resources, but if men don't feel like they can be vulnerable and open and talk about the way they're really doing, not just quote unquote fine, you know, right, right. if we're not talking about how we're really doing, you're not going to be able to access any of those supports and resources. So um, it's, it's really a privilege to kind of have spent a lot of time thinking about gender and now thinking about what gender means to men. Absolutely. Because sometimes we forget about that entirely. Absolutely. And I think that's so important. What you're saying is because uh, you've had the experience of working on, on one side and now you're coming home to this other side of it and what change you can make uh, for men and being able to say something beyond I'm fine, beyond yeah. I'm okay, uh, beyond it's all good. Yeah. Uh, there's something deeper that's happening usually beneath that. Um, Absolutely. And I, I mean, another big reason for being in this work is uh, it's personal. Yeah. I got a dad. I got a son. Yeah. I'm a man. Yeah. I got lots of male friends. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're all in different ways uh, struggling, managing, trying to figure it out. Um, the world is not only changing for, for women and girls, but it's changing for men. And we have to figure out how to navigate that too. Um, I have a 14-year-old son who I want to make sure he knows it's okay to ask for help. I want to make sure that he knows to take care of his physical health. I want to make sure, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a sign of weakness to say something's not right here and I don't know what it is. Right. Um, I have a dad who, you know, maybe the ship has sailed a little bit for some of those changes for him. He's right. a, you know, 79 year old, stubborn, lovable bugger. But, yeah. um, you know, there's definitely things that I still really care about with him. And, you know, I, I count myself very fortunate to have a, a really close group of male friends. And over the years, it's, it's, a lot of those relationships have blossomed into something very, very meaningful. Right. But one thing I've really even noticed in the last six or seven months during COVID is having those foundations there has been so important to have deep and meaningful conversations and really understand how, how other guys are doing. And in some cases, um, to help them get the help they need. Right. And sadly, in other cases as well, we weren't able to get the help to some people that needed it. And so um, there's an urgency as well to kind of working on men's health that I really feel passionate about um, as part of this job. Thank you so much for sharing that because what you're um, letting us know is that uh, you're in the, you're the change agent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like I just so gave you that title. Well, well, it's, <laughs> you know, ready made, that's one of our values at Movember. Yeah. We have six values that we work on and change agent is one of them. And, you know, we know we can't make progress just doing the same old, same old stuff. And that's yeah. the Movember way is to try to shake it up and, to make change. I think in my own life, I'm not, a, I, I would be honored if somebody thought I was a change agent, but I'm also one of our other Movember values is humble. 
I'm humble enough to know that I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm hearing is you know enough to kind of like you're is your father, like you mentioned. Uh, then there's you, and you can see him, and maybe some parts of his ship has sailed, but they're still in the water, so you can still <laughs> navigate them a little bit. Uh, and then you've got your son that you're growing into a man who's able to say, hey, I need help, and hey, I need some support. So I think you are a change agent in your personal life, it sounds like. Okay, no uh, so, pressure, thanks. Uh, so I'm just going to give that to you, <laughs> and I'm going to let you receive that you are a change agent, uh, personally and professionally. And I, I think a lot that. of people get to benefit from that. That's really kind of you, and I, I do appreciate that. And, you know, frankly, none of it would happen without the team that we have here, too, and uh the supports and care that I have around me in my life, whether it's my wife, my family, um, you know, it's, it does, you can never do it alone. I don't think. And that's, Absolutely. that's really fundamental for me. Absolutely. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, um, tell us a little bit more about how, like, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly personally interested in <laughs> how you came back home to yourself and how do you see other men in your circle through this connection of having deeper conversations coming home to themselves? Hmm. I think, uh, you know, one thing that kind of the way we're taught how to be a man in this world does to us is teaches us how to put on masks and how to perform and how to project what we think the world wants us to be. Yeah. I think at least the guys in my age group, and I would say, you know, in the 40s and uh, maybe pushing up into the 50s, you find out over time that that doesn't always work for you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about that. <laughs> you know, trying to be something you aren't or trying to pretend everything's okay or trying to think that you can solve everything yourself, more often than not, may not work out in an optimal situation for, for some people. So I, I see a lot of guys my age now saying, if that didn't work and it's more and more permissible to do something different and there's less and less kind of um, consequences of being outside of that idea of what it right. means to be a man. And also, frankly, more and more role models that there's an ability for men to change and to kind of come home to themselves. And there's things in life that humble you too, whether they're Absolutely. health outcomes or becoming a parent or Absolutely. dealing with failure and dealing with um, economic loss or job loss, like business failure, those are the kinds of things that humble you and kind of put you back and say, whoa, maybe that way didn't work so well before. I got to try something new. Right. And so, you know, I think that that's, that's part of the pathway for some men to get home to find themselves. And there, I should, you know, acknowledge too, there's lots of men with amazing self-awareness who are doing it uh, incredibly in spite of all of those things. Absolutely. And I think more and more there's men that want to be there too, which is something that I think is really important. You know, we don't want to be stuck in those boxes and those masks and those performances that we were taught growing up. Yeah. We kind of, you know, we're starting to talk about what's behind the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And why we mow, right? Yeah. Like that's what we're doing here at, at Movember. Absolutely. And there's a person that has, you know, there's more than the structure of being this man that has this kind of like criteria or this is what it means to be a man versus a man could be anything that he decides he wants to be. Um, and there's a story behind every mustache. <laughs> Sometimes we don't call them mustaches, even we call them conversation starters. Okay. Well, I like that. <laughs> you know, I like that. Especially at that time of year, you can be, uh, vividly remember on the, on the subway a couple of times last year, um, you know, looking at a guy and he's looking at me and I look at him and I give him the head nod and he looks at me first, like, who are you? Why are you being weird? 
And then I go and point it at my mustache. And he, then all of a sudden, this like light bulb and joy came on. And he's like, <laughs> ah, yeah, you too. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we, we call it the nod. You kind of give the nod like, okay, yeah, I know. I know what you're doing and you know what I'm doing. And it's nice to be in it together. It's nice to know yeah. another person cares about this stuff too. Yeah, you create a community. Yeah. Uh, and it's like you can acknowledge it without saying so much if you need to. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And that's what, uh, that's what the, this greasy cookie duster can do for you. <laughs> well, if you're listening and you can't see Todd's mustache, it's actually fantastic. <laughs> but tell us a story about your mustache. Yeah. So I've been growing this mustache since November 1st, uh, 2019. And now it's like the end of September, 2020. Um, I started this job uh, at November last year in October. I had a full beard for about nine years. Okay. My daughter had never seen me without it, but uh, knowing it was part of signing up for the job meant a clean shave on November 1st. We kind of got, got her prepared for it and um, did the, the shave down November 1st and started growing the, the mustache again. One of the things when I came to November that I really wanted to work on was having these conversations all year round. Yeah. And so I said, well, what better way to demonstrate my own commitment to having these conversations year round than to growing my mustache yeah. for the full 12 months. Took a little negotiation on the home front. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask you about that. <laughs> but, you know, eventually we settled on if I keep a little, uh, you know, if I keep a little short beard with it, it's not going to offend anybody too much. But um, after a while, even, even my wife, when I shaved my uh, beard off a couple of times, she's like, it actually looks okay without, you know, you can carry it, you can do it. And some of my team, major, team members even joke they wouldn't know what I look like without a mustache. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it suits you. Now I'm, I'm curious what November 1st is going to look like. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be uh, a little bit chillier and uh, a lot less hairier for November 1st. But, but uh, it'll go back. We'll get it back. It's full confidence. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so if we go a little bit further into like as a dad, um, you're a dad and we know that now, what does November mean to you? Wow. You know, I know, it's a big question. I'm sorry. Is. Take your time. No, it's okay. You know, like we said, there's so many things that are pressing issues around men's health, you know, whether it's the rates of prostate cancer or that, you know, three out of four suicides that are completed in Canada are by men um, or the overwhelming kind of prevalence of, of different kinds of mental health um, episodes that, that men face. You know, when, when I look at that, I think, gosh, we got to be doing something to prevent some of this from happening. And I look at my son, I'm like, yeah, I want to prevent it for him. But, you know, having a, having a child also gives you an extra reason to want to take care of yourself and be around. Absolutely. And, you know, he's 14 now, but I can honestly tell you the first time I ever wore a bike helmet in my life was the week after he was born. Okay. <laughs> you know, and it kind of yeah. illustrates for me why it's important, not just for him and for his life, but for me as a parent and a father to him, right? Like, I, I was a downtown bike rider for like 20 years. I grew up in the age where like bike helmets, you didn't wear a bike helmet. Like, right. Barely wore a hockey helmet. Right. Back in those days, right? Right. Um, and, uh, but once he was born, I just looked at him and I was like, I can't afford to, you know, crack my head open on, on the street and right. uh, not be around for this guy. And so, of course, also, at some point in time, I'm going to make him wear a bike helmet, and I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite if I'm not <laughs> as well. So, right. so you know, you know kind of coming back to what it means to me, it's like it's not only for him and his future, 
but it's for me and my ability to participate in his future. And not just me, but all the men that I know that are dads and all the kids that are there that have dads. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a, there's a nice circle in there. And more and more what I'm learning as well, it's not just us, it's our dads, like we were talking about earlier too, right? Yeah. When when I started at November, my dad um, came to me and said, um, oh yeah, you started at November, eh? That's great. I'm very excited for you. He's so <laughs> proud of me. He's like, if he could, he would be calling me every day at work. How's it going today? What's it going? But what he said to me then shocked me. He said, you know, I've been dealing with this prostate cancer thing for like eight years, right? Wow. I was like, what? What are you talking about? And it turns out he was in a heightened risk category. He had okay. uh, had a PSA test done regularly and had heightened levels. And his doctor said, well, we want to monitor it. Right. And uh, so I just been, he said, I've been getting it checked twice a year for the last eight years. But my doctor finally told me this fall, like, I'm too old to worry about it. If I die, it's going to be from something else. So don't worry about the prostate anymore. Right. And I was like, what the dad <laughs> like <laughs> you didn't tell me this this whole time and he's yeah. like well i didn't want you to worry about it there's nothing to worry about right right and that's the kind of thing we got to change absolutely you know he's carrying this on his shoulders with my mom for eight years going to a doctor twice a year getting tested not knowing if he has prostate cancer or not and you know so part of me wanted to shake and, and say what are you doing like i'm here to support you if you need that absolutely you're not going to just worry me with something unnecessary Right. You're going to let me help you care for you and talk to you and support right. you. That didn't occur to him at all, right? It was right. still more about protecting me from that information. Right. But then I also wanted to shake him and say, you, you, you know, you having this heightened risk also affects me, dad. Like I could be at more <laughs> risk now too. So Absolutely. What the hell, man? You've got to tell me these things. We've got to yeah. talk about our health. We've got to yeah. share these things because otherwise, you know, we're just making the same mistakes again that are contributing to where we're at with, you know, the poor state of men's health in some places. So, um, that was, that was another eye opener about what. Yeah, that's (laughs) great. Like, I appreciate you saying that so much because I feel like, um, I could actually personally relate to that from my own father, not saying anything until he's on the operating table. Yeah. You know, and it's like, didn't want you to worry. Right. It's like this idea. I think that's a part of maybe the, uh, the masculinity and identity is like I'm responsible for my family and my duties to protect them, even if that's keeping a weight on my shoulders. Exactly. Um, and that's part of the stigma. Yes. Yeah. I think of that Monty Python sketch, like it's just a flesh wound. Don't worry, there's nothing wrong here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The limbs hacked off. So, absolutely. Like, Come on, Dad. Like, talk to me here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, you know, this is what we're talking about here at Movember is how do we make it easier for men to have these conversations? Exactly. Um, and to say, you know what, something's wrong. Yeah. Change those cycles. Yeah. You know, in our other work around testicular cancer too, it's even more important because testicular cancer is the most prevalent cancer for young men. And, uh, as I was joking earlier, there's something about getting to this age and having kids and failure in your life and whatever that, that helps you come home, you know, younger men, it's, it's a little more, uh, there's a little more natural inclination to feel invulnerable or and, and invincible rather, sorry. Yeah. And, and uh, that nothing can harm you. And, um, you know, the things we know about testicular cancer is that it's, you know, the, the uh, survival rate is in the mid to high nineties percentages. Right. If you catch it in time. Right. Right. So yeah. it's about having that self-awareness, being able to check. And then if you do notice something wrong, making sure that you do something about it, like right away. 
And if we do that with testicular cancer, you know, the survival rates are phenomenal. Right. Um, but it starts, it's not about the, it's not about the testicles at first, right? Right. <laughs> it's absolutely. about the willingness to understand that, you know, you need to take an active role in your own health care. You need to check these things. And when you, when something's not right, you need to get help, right? You yeah. You need to ask for help. And so old men, young men, <laughs> men in the middle, yeah. kids, like, let's just change it once and for all, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, it's so important that you said that about young men, especially um, this idea of being invincible. And it's okay to check. It's okay to get someone to check for you. Yeah. Um, and there's no shame about getting someone to check if you have prostate uh, cancer, testicular cancer. Like, like, you know, these are sensitive parts of the body, <laughs> but they also need special kind of care. Yes. Uh, and we have to, and men have to be willing to be open to say, hey, I'm, it's okay to get my prostate checked or it's Absolutely. okay to get my, you know, testicles checked. Yeah. Um, and, and just kind of open freeing people of that shame. Take that to the next level, Randy May, around mental health. Yes, absolutely. You know, where there's equal or more stigma yeah. in different ways, you know, about um, being invincible and being strong and not asking for help. And, and even with mental health, not, not knowing, it's not as easy as, oh, there's a lump there or, or something physically isn't right. You know, just getting to that stage where you're recognizing something mentally isn't right, something psychologically isn't right, um, and and overcoming those stigmas and trying to get past those is is your your mental health is even more precious uh, absolutely than your physical health not as a competition that sounds bad but you know like yeah it's equally important to take care of there and and we know young men are just as susceptible to those kinds of pressures around depression and anxiety and um, you know some of the more clinical kinds of mental health as well but if we don't take care of them, they don't lead to a good place. So um, not only doing that yourself, but in some of the work we do around mental health, the real importance is around connection and being able to check in on your friends when you don't think something is going wrong, uh, going well with them. Absolutely. And being able to have those kinds of conversations and, and giving them the tools to do that in a meaningful and authentic way. And, and a lot of our mental health resources are geared very much to that. You know, how do you know how to have that conversation with somebody and yeah. break past that. Don't worry, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh, it's all good. Oh, really? How yeah. come I haven't seen you in like eight weeks and you don't answer my calls anymore? And, absolutely. You know, I know it's not fine, so let's talk. Yeah, you know, I think what you're let saying. Let me listen to you. That slow decline in kind of self-isolation could be a cue to check in on somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I want to mention now that we're talking about is for young men, you, you may see your friends on social media looking fine, <laughs> but that doesn't mean they are fine. No. You know? Absolutely. We have a great model called ALEC, A-L-E-C, and it uh, stands for ask, okay. listen, encourage uh, to take action and to check in. Okay. And so... We know it's not easy to do that either. You know, it's easy if your friend says, "Ah, oh, it's fine. It's all good. Okay, so did you watch the game last night? You know, you're, you're on to something new. That's just kind of the right. opening cadence of a lot of our right. conversations. But this Alec model, ask, are you really doing okay? You know, listen. I'm here to listen to you. No judgment. I'm just, I'm here to listen. Um, and the next two are really important too. Encourage to take action. Like, what are you going to do about it? What can I help you with? How can you, you know, what information do you need? What, what action can you take today? to help with that and checking in, not just leaving it at one conversation saying, I'm done my job. 
Because that's just ale. That's not Alec. Right. You got to get to the. You got to get yeah. to the last one as well, and it's so yeah. important to kind of have that 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 check in. And that tool we've heard from guys is just so helpful because it's practical. It gives real, you know, concrete tips about how to have those kinds of conversations, and um, people can see the benefits from it right away. Because if you say I'm here to listen to somebody, and you really, really do, right. And you play back what you hear and you are attentive and you're not judging and you're not kind of coming up with your answers before they even yeah. finish their, their statement. Um, people notice that, right? And it's genuine. And so um, our, uh, you know, our ALEC model is really helpful for that. And in, in these COVID times, we kind of accelerated the launch of another project called Movember Conversations, which also wraps this all up in ways to have those authentic conversations with guys and particularly to note some of these things that might be happening when we're isolating and we're in quarantine and things like that. Absolutely. Having deeper conversations. And sometimes that takes a couple of minutes. Maybe (laughs) sometimes it takes 30 minutes for someone to warm up to you, but it's worth the wait. Yes. And, and, and as guys, we can't be afraid of making mistakes, you know, like we're probably going to, but I think I've learned that's, that's a real big barrier for a lot of men. They don't, they don't want to make that mistake doing it and they don't want to do it wrong. But gosh, the, the genuine effort of trying is, is way more um, impactful than you ever could imagine, even if you aren't perfect at it. And who is? Like we all are learning and growing. Um, and it's easier to do with the different kinds of relationships you might have in your life as well, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, there may be baggage and history and, <laughs> uh, you know, in things you know about other people that make it more challenging. But um it's really important to try and it's really important to have that tool that helps you kind of keep, you know, focused on how to do it effectively. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. Is that on your website? Yeah. And, uh, would really, you know, encourage everybody to check out Movember conversations. These are practical tools and scenarios, um, that, that people can work through about how to talk to people you care about and how to, to bring that into their lives. Um, you know, often, we remark here at Movember, we're not on the kind of pointy end of support services and stuff like that, but we're on the prevention end of right. how to help identify if people you care about are, are struggling and how to have some of those conversations that help them get on the path um, to getting help. And, uh, you know, we know in some of the research we've done around suicide prevention as well, that talking to bystanders and loved ones in people's lives that Almost universally, people want to help if they hadn't known something was that bad. Absolutely. Right? And so part of our mission is to get people those tools and resources and confidence to not wait until it's that bad and spot the signs a little bit earlier. Yeah, I think you have a great video about um, suicide uh, and it's people reading letters that they had uh, wrote. Yeah. Um, And it's really powerful. I know I watched it and I cried. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely touched a special place within me after watching that video. And I think it's something that everybody should really take a pause to watch and bring their attention to. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That was part of our campaign for World Suicide Prevention Day um, this year. Uh, it's really, it's very powerful, as you said. It's it's hard to watch without um, welling up and getting pretty emotional. Um, but it's also full of hope because it is a number of men who kind of came through it and, um, and, and 
got the help and support they need and made the changes that they need to do. Um, we know that isn't the case for everyone, unfortunately, but um, for for more people than not, it can be the case if they are willing to uh, get that help and other people notice it around and do that that work as well. So it's so important and um, a really critical part of our work. Also, even just to talk about suicide, you know, yeah. is a huge piece because uh, lots of people don't want to talk about it and aren't willing to have those conversations. But the more we can normalize that, um, the more we can get to preventing it as well. Absolutely. And I think it's giving people, it's, a, it's okay to ask somebody if they're having thoughts of suicide. You know, it's okay to just kind of put it out there and it's better to ask than not ask. It's better than waiting till it's yeah, too late, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just want to ask you three things. Sure. So, or maybe ask you a question. You can tell me three things. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us, tell people why they should participate in Movember. Three things, three reasons. Three reasons. Yeah. Well, you'll help make a difference on um, the most pressing issues around men's health, uh, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, and suicide prevention. We want to change the face of men's health, and we want men to live happier, healthier, longer, more productive lives. So that's one reason. The second reason is it's good for you. <laughs> you know, the world is kind of tough right now, and this is a way that you can have some fun and do good. Yeah. And there's tons of ways for everyone to get involved. You don't have to just grow a mustache. We, we have uh, opportunities for people to do virtual hosting of events, to do a move challenge where you might... Um, do some kind of physical activity over the course of the month. And um, just this year, we're also introducing uh, um, an opportunity called Mow Your Own Way, which is mm -hmm. you want to knit a 40-foot scarf for Movember? Go for it. Okay. You want to climb the CN Tower <laughs> 17 times? Go for it. Right. You want to skate the Rideau Canal, you know, back and forth every day? Go for it. Um, okay. Really giving people the choice of how they want to participate. And um, the third reason, I guess, would be to, to know that you're making a difference. Like some of the work that we do around Movember is so, so important. We've just launched a call with um, veterans and first responders in this country to address their mental health and to look at suicide prevention programs with them. Right. We uh, earlier this summer opened the world's first um, sub-Arctic addictions and treatment center for okay. men living in Northern Canada up in Arviat. Um, and those... We've had two FDA-approved prostate cancer drugs in the last 12 months that we helped fund. So you are making a real difference if you participate in the men's health for the men you love and care about in the world. Thank you so much. And my last question, I promise. Sure. It's give us in maybe one or two sentences why you mow. I mow for my dad, I mow for my son, I mow for me, and I mow for all my friends because uh, I love them. And I want to see them happy and healthy. I got nothing more complicated than that. All right. Thank you so much, Todd. We really appreciate you. Thanks for coming um, and uh, looking forward to hearing the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to Decoding the Man. If you have any questions, suggestions, or a topic that stood out to you or you're seeking support, please email us at decodingtheman at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at decodingtheman. We'd like to thank Carissa McLeod, our social media and audio producer, Brian Sudema, our executive producer, and our theme song, Darling, is brought to you by David Porges. <laughs>